Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Welcome to episode 45 of Learning About the Lord. Today we will be reading from Maria Valtorta's Poem of the Man-God, Volume 1. Jesus is returning to Bethlehem for the first time since he fled there as an infant. He is at the well and meets a woman who is drawing water and offers him some to drink. He asks her, are you from Bethlehem? Yes, she says. I live here with my husband. Are you a Galilean? I was born in Bethlehem, says Jesus, but I live at Nazareth in Galilee. Are you persecuted too, she asks. The family is, but why do you say you too? Are there many people persecuted among the Bethlehemites, asks Jesus. Don't you know, asks the woman. What age are you? Thirty, says Jesus. Then you were born exactly when... Oh, what a calamity! But why was he born here? Who? asks Jesus. The one they said was the Savior, says the woman. Cursed be the fools who, drunk as they were, thought the clouds were angels, and the bleeding and braying were voices from heaven, and in the haze of drunkenness they mistook three miserable people for the holiest people on the earth. Cursed be they, and cursed be those who believed them. But with all your cursing, says Jesus, you are not telling me what happened. Why are you cursing? Because, listen, she says, where are you going? And Jesus answers, I am going to Bethlehem with my friends. I have business there. I must visit some old friends and take them the greetings of my mother. But I would like to know many things before, because we have been away, we of the family, for many years. We left the town when I was only a few months old. Before the catastrophe, then, says the woman, listen, if you do not loathe the house of a peasant, come and share our bread and salt with us, you and your companions. We will talk during supper, and I will put you all up for the night. My house is small, but above the stable there is a lot of hay all piled up. The night is clear and warm. If you want, you can sleep there. And Jesus answers, May the Lord of Israel reward your hospitality. I will be happy to come to your house. The woman says, A pilgrim brings blessings with him. Let us go. But Judas says to the master, Master, I am afraid we have been unlucky. Why, Judas? Because she has it in for the master. I said to her, Don't curse. Don't you know that the Messiah is the greatest grace for the people of God? Yahweh promised him to Jacob, and after him to all the prophets and the just people in Israel. And you hate him? And she replied, Not him, but the one whom some drunken shepherds and three cursed diviners from the east called Messiah. And since that is you, says Judas, it does not matter, says Jesus. I know I am placed as a trial and contradiction for many. Did you tell her who I am? No, I am not a fool, says Judas. I wanted to save your back and ours. You did well, says Jesus not because of our backs, but because I wish to show myself when I think the time is right. Let us go. Jesus meets the woman's husband, and he asks Jesus, Have you never been back to Bethlehem since you left? And Jesus says, No, never. 
What a calamity! You will not find many of those my wife said you want to meet and visit. Many were killed, many ran away, many, who knows, missing, and it has never been known whether they died in the desert or were killed in jail as a punishment for their rebellion. But was it a rebellion? And who would have remained inactive allowing so many innocents to be slaughtered? No, it is unfair that Levi and Elias should still be alive when so many innocents are dead. So the man is talking about the slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus Christ. And the people there are very angry at having lost so many babies, and they're very angry at the shepherds who brought the news of the birth of the Messiah because they were told by the angels that the Messiah was born, and they were led to the little grotto where the baby Jesus was with Mary and Joseph. And afterwards, when Herod ordered the death of the infants, a great calamity occurred in Bethlehem. And the people, even 30 years later, are very angry and resentful against the shepherds and against Herod and against everybody. So that's what they're talking about. And they mention Levi and Elias, and Levi and Elias are two of the shepherds. So Jesus asks, who are those two and what did they do? Well, says the man, at least you will have heard of the slaughter. The slaughter by Herod, over a thousand babies slaughtered in town, almost another thousand in the country. So I'll stop here and read you a footnote from Maria Valtorta. She says, the real number of babies killed is 32, of which 18 in the actual town of Bethlehem and 14 in the nearby country. Also six baby girls were slaughtered, as the hired cutthroats could not tell them apart from baby boys because they were dressed alike, and also because of the darkness and their hurry to kill. The peasant, as is often the case, exaggerates. So... 32 babies were slaughtered, okay, and that's bad enough, but the peasant says over a thousand babies were slaughtered in town, and almost another thousand in the country, and he continues, and they were all, or almost all, males, because in their fury, in the darkness, in the scuffle, the killers tore away from their cradles, from their mother's beds, from the houses they assailed, also some baby girls, and they pierced them like suckling baby gazelles shot down by archers. Well, why all that? Because a group of shepherds, who had obviously drank a huge quantity of cider to stand the intense night cold, in a frenzy of excitement, stated they had seen angels, heard songs, received instructions, and they said to us of Bethlehem, Come, adore, the Messiah is born. Just imagine, the Messiah in a cave. In all sincerity, I must admit that we were all drunk, even I, then an adolescent, also my wife, then only a few years old, because we all believed them, and in a poor Galilean woman, we saw the Virgin Mother mentioned by the prophets. But she was with her husband, a rough Galilean. If she was the wife, how could she be the Virgin? To cut a long story short, we believed. Gifts, worshipping, houses open to give them hospitality. Oh, they played their roles very well, 
Poor Anne, she lost her property and her life, and also the children of her oldest daughter, the only one left because she was married to a merchant in Jerusalem, lost all their property because their house was burned down and the whole holding was laid waste by Herod's order. Now it is an uncultivated field where herds feed. And Jesus asks, And was it entirely the shepherd's fault? No, says the man. It was the fault also of three wizards who came from Satan's kingdom. Perhaps they were accomplices of the three and we foolishly felt proud of so much honor. And the poor arch-synagogue, we killed him because he swore that the prophecies confirmed the truth of the shepherds' and wizards' words. It was therefore the fault of the shepherds and of the wizards, asks Jesus. No, Galilean, it was also our fault, the fault of our credulity. The Messiah had been expected for such a long time, centuries of expectation, and there had been many disappointments recently because of false messiahs. One of them was a Galilean, like you. Another one was named Thutis. Liars. They, messiahs, they were nothing but greedy adventurers hunting for a stroke of luck. We should have learned the lesson instead. Well then, says Jesus, why do you curse all the shepherds and magicians? If you consider yourselves fools too, then you ought to be cursed as well. But the precept of love forbids cursing. One curse attracts another curse. Are you sure you are right? Could it not be true that the shepherds and the magicians spoke the truth, revealed to them by God? Why do you persist in believing they were liars? And the man answers, Because the years of the prophecy were not complete. We thought about it afterwards, after our eyes had been opened by the blood that reddened basins and rivulets. And Jesus answers, And could the Most High God not have advanced the coming of the Savior out of an excess of love for his people? On what did the wizards found their statement? You told me they came from the east. And the man says, On their calculations concerning a new star, is it not written, says Jesus, a star from Jacob takes the leadership, a scepter arises from Israel? Is Jacob not the great patriarch, and did he not stop in the land of Bethlehem, as dear to him as his eyes, because his beloved Rachel died there? And did the mouth of a prophet not say, a shoot springs from the stalk of Jesse, a sion thrusts from his roots? Jesse, David's father, was born here. Is the shoot on the stalk, cut at its root by tyrannical usurpations, is it not the virgin, who will give birth to her son, conceived not by deed of man, otherwise she would not be a virgin, but by divine will, whereby he will be the Emmanuel, because, son of God, he will be God, and bring God among the people of God, as his name proclaims. And will he not be announced, as the prophet says, to the people walking in darkness, that is, to the heathens, by a great light? And the star the magicians saw, could it not be the star of Jacob, the great light of the two prophecies of Balaam and Isaiah? And the very massacre ordered by Herod, does it not come within the prophecies, 
A voice is heard in Rama. It is Rachel weeping for her children. It was written that tears should ooze from Rachel's bones in her sepulchre at Ephrathah when, through the Savior, the reward would come to the holy people. Tears which were to turn into celestial laughter, just as the rainbow is formed by the last drops of the storm. But it says, here the sky is clear again. So when Jesus says that the Lord will be announced, the Messiah will be announced, as the prophecy says, to the people walking in darkness, he's referring to the people who are sleeping, the dead, the misinformed, like there are so many today in this world walking in darkness, those people asleep to the truth of the Lord, of the true life in God. It was true back then, and unfortunately it is still true today. So we will continue now. And the man says to the Lord, Are you a learned man? Are you a rabbi? Yes, I am, says Jesus. And I perceived it, says the man. There is light and truth in your words. But, oh, too many wounds are still bleeding in this land of Bethlehem because of the true or false Messiah. I would never advise him to come here. The land would reject him as it rejects a stepson who caused the death of the true children. In any case, if it was him, he died with the other slaughtered children. And Jesus asks, Where do Levi and Elias live now? Do you know them? The man becomes suspicious. I do not know them, says the Lord. Their faces are unknown to me, but they are unhappy, and I always have mercy on the unhappy. I want to go and see them. Well, says the man, you will be the first one after about thirty years. They are still shepherds, and they work for a rich Herodian from Jerusalem, who has taken possession of a lot of the property belonging to the people killed. There is always someone making a profit. You will find them with their herds on the high grounds towards Hebron. But this is my advice. Don't let anyone from Bethlehem see you speaking to them. You would suffer from it. We bear them because because of the Herodian, otherwise. Oh, hatred, says Jesus. Why hate? Because it is just, says the man. They have done us harm. Jesus says, they thought they were doing good. And the man says, but they did harm. Let them be harmed. So I just want to note here that the old way of the Jews, the thinking in the old way was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's what is written in the Old Testament. Whereas the New Testament says, turn the other cheek, forgive, love thine enemy. Okay, so here is an example of an eye for an eye. The man says, but they did harm, let them be harmed. And he continues, we should have killed them as they had so many people killed through their stupidity. But we had become stupid ourselves and later there was the Herodian. And Jesus says, so even if he had not been there after the first desire for revenge, which was still excusable, you would have killed them? And the man says, we would kill them even now if we were not afraid of their master. Man, says Jesus, I tell you, do not hate. Do not wish evil things. Do not be anxious to do evil things. 
There is no fault here. But even if there was, forgive. Forgive in the name of God. Tell the other people of Bethlehem as well. When your hearts are free from hatred, the Messiah will come. You will know him then, because he is alive. He already existed when the massacre took place. I am telling you. It was Satan's fault, not the fault of the shepherds and of the magicians, that the massacre took place. The Messiah was born here for you. He came to bring the light to the land of his fathers, the son of a virgin mother of the line of David, in the ruins of the house of David. He granted a stream of graces to the world and a new life to mankind. And here Jesus is talking about the chance to return to heaven through your virtues, through your goodness, through your following the teachings of the Lord. But the man replies, Go away! Get out of here! You are a follower of that false Messiah who could but be false because he brought misfortune to us here in Bethlehem. You are defending him. Be silent, man, says Judas Iscariot. I am a Judean and I have influential friends. I could make you feel sorry for your insult. No, no, get out of here, says the man. I don't want trouble with the people of Bethlehem or with Rome or Herod. Go away, you cursed ones, if you don't want me to leave my mark on you. Let us go, Judas, says the Lord. Do not react. Let us leave him in his hatred. God will not enter where there is bitter hatred. Let us go. So you can see here where people have suffered a great loss. They hold on to that suffering in their hearts and the misery, the misery blinds them from the Lord who is standing right in their midst. They cannot even see that Jesus Christ is with them. As Jesus said, God will not enter where there is bitter hatred. So that hatred that fills their heart blocks out their perception of the loving God who is standing with them. They all leave, but Judas Iscariot is furious and he bursts out, But you, why did you not make him worship you? Why did you not crush that filthy swearer down in the mud, down on the ground, crushed because he showed no respect for you, the Messiah? Oh, that is what I would have done. Samaritans should be reduced to ashes by means of a miracle. It is the only thing that will shake them. And Jesus answers, Oh, how many times will I hear that said? But if I should reduce to ashes for every sin against me, no, Judas, I have come to create, not to destroy. Yes, says Judas Iscariot, and in the meantime they are destroying you. But Jesus makes no reply. Simon Zelot asks, Where are we going now, Master? And Jesus says, Come with me. I know the place. And as they are walking, Jesus hears John crying, and he asks him, and John says, I suffer seeing that the world does not love Jesus. They do not know him, and they do not want to know him. Oh, it is such a pain, as if someone tore my heart with burning thorns, as if I had seen someone treading on my mother or spitting upon my father's face. Even worse, 
as if I had seen Roman horses eating in the holy ark and resting in the holy of holies. Do not cry, my dear John, says the Lord. Say for this present time and for endless times in future, he was the light and he came to enlighten darkness, but darkness did not know him. He came to the world that had been made for him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own town, to his domain, but his own people did not accept him. Do not cry. Jesus leads them to the grotto of his birth. It is just a cave between the clefts of a big wall. Jesus asks, Have you any tinder? Light it. Simon lights a small lamp with which he has taken out of his knapsack, and he gives it to Jesus. Come in, says the master, lifting the lamp. Come in. This is the nativity room of the king of Israel. You must be joking, master, says Judas Iscariot. This is a filthy den. I am not going to stay here. I loathe it. It is damp, cold, stinking, full of scorpions, and perhaps also snakes. And yet, says Jesus, my friends, here, the night of the 25th of Chislev, Feast of the Lights, Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin, the Emmanuel, the Word of God made flesh for the love of man. I, who am speaking to you, also then as now, the world was deaf to the voices of heaven speaking to the hearts of men, and it rejected the mother. And here, no Judas, do not avert your eyes in the disgust from those fluttering noctuals, from those green lizards, from those cobwebs. Do not lift with disgust your beautiful embroidered mantle, lest it may trail on the ground covered with animal excrement. Those noctuals are the daughters' daughters of the ones that were the first toys to be tossed before the eyes of the child, for whom the angel sang the Gloria, heard by the shepherds, intoxicated only by an ecstatic joy, a true joy. The emerald green of those lizards was the first color to strike my eyes, the first after my mother's white face and dress. Those cobwebs with the canopy of my royal cradle. This ground, oh, you may tread on it without disdain. It is littered with excrement, but it is sanctified by her foot, the foot of the holy, the most holy, pure, immaculate mother of God, who gave birth because she was to give birth, because God, not man, told her and covered her with his shadow. She, the faultless one, trod on it. You can tread on it, too. And may the purity diffused by her, by the will of God, rise from the soles of your feet to your heart. Simon Zila is on his knees. John goes straight to the manger and cries, leaning his head against it. Judas Iscariot is terrified. He is overcome by emotion and no longer worried about his beautiful mantle. He kneels on the ground, takes the edge of Jesus' tunic and kisses it and beats his breast, saying, Oh, my good master, have mercy on the blindness of your servant. My pride vanishes. I see you as you are, not the king I was thinking of, but the eternal prince, 
the father of future centuries, the king of peace, have mercy, my Lord and my God, have mercy on me. Yes, says Jesus, you have all my mercy. Now we will sleep where the infant and the virgin slept, over there where John has taken the place of the adoring mother, here where Simon Zelot looks like my putative father, or, if you prefer so, I will speak to you of that night. Oh, yes, master, tell us of your birth, says Judas Iscariot, that it may be a bright pearl shining on our hearts and we may tell the whole world, says Simon Zelot, and we may venerate your virgin mother, not only as your mother, but also as the virgin, says John. Jesus says, Come and sit on the hay, listen, and he tells them of the night of his birth. As the mother was near her time to have her child, a decree was issued by the imperial delegate, Publius Suplicius Quirinus, on instructions from Caesar Augustus, when Sentius Saturninus was governor of Palestine. The decree stated that a census had to be taken of all the people of the empire. Those who were not slaves were to go to their places of origin and register in the official rolls of the empire. Joseph, the spouse of the mother, was of the line of David, and the mother was also of David's line. In compliance with the decree, they left Nazareth and came to Bethlehem, the cradle of the royal family. The weather was severe, and Jesus continues the story until he tells the whole story of the Virgin Mary and her spouse Joseph's trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem to the cave where she gave birth to the Lord. So we can see that in Bethlehem, that holy city where the Lord was born, the people are still very angry at the events that followed, and they believe that the shepherds were drunk, were crazy, that the Messiah was not the Messiah, that even if he had been born there, he would have been slaughtered along with the other children, and they have great anger and hatred against the shepherds and against everyone um, for the events that occurred that night. And in their hearts, they do not accept the Messiah as being on the earth right now during their time, uh, preaching to the world love. Instead, they feel anger and hatred. So Jesus is not welcome in the town where he was born. Thank you very much for joining me. I ask the Lord to bless you all. Go with God.